0: Welcome to the About Her podcast. I'm your host, Abigail O'Neill. Today I will be chatting with my good friend Bethany Beal. Bethany and her sister Kristen are the founders of Girl Defined Ministries, a ministry founded in 2014 to help modern girls understand and live out God's timeless truths for womanhood. Bethany and Kristen firmly believe that the only one who can rightly define women is the one who created women, and they have made it their goal to correct the conflicting messages we often hear from the world regarding our identity, value, and purpose. They seek to communicate God's Timeless Truth for Womanhood through their blog, YouTube channel, podcast, numerous books, conferences, and online webinars. In this podcast episode, Bethany and I specifically chat about a book that her and her sister recently released entitled Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. Not Part of the Plan was published in October of 2021 and would be an excellent addition to your 2022 reading list. I absolutely adore Bethany and can confirm that Bethany's personality is truly just as joyful, infectious, and charming in real life as it is on Instagram and YouTube. I hope you are left just as encouraged and hopeful as I was after chatting with her. But before we dive into my conversation with Bethany, I want to take a moment to thank the podcast sponsor who has helped make today's conversation possible. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Restoring Eden Co. Restoring Eden Co. is an online shop which creates and distributes handcrafted pieces inspired by biblical femininity. Restoring Eden Co. believes women have been created by God with a beautiful purpose in mind, and it is their goal to create pieces that complement the Creator's design for women. On their website, you will find beautifully feminine earrings, scrunchies, head wraps, wallets, and my personal favorite, handmade charcuterie boards. Restoring Eden Co. also offers several Bible study tools, including velvet fringe Bible study bookmarks, stunning customizable leather Bibles, and a free rooted Bible study booklet when you sign up for regular email updates. Restoring Eden Co. has so graciously provided a 10% off discount code just for About Her podcast listeners. To receive 10% off your order, head over to restoringedenco.com and apply the code About Her at checkout. The discount will be available until February 17th, so be sure to grab a pair of earrings, a set of velvet bookmarks, or a customizable leather Bible before February 17th to receive 10% off with the code About Her. You can also find Restoring Eden Co. on Instagram. Thank you again, Restoring Eden Co. for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Now, let's jump into our conversation with Bethany Beal. Well, we will go ahead and jump right in. What would you like listeners to know about you?
1: I am married to the most amazing man in the world. Aww. And uh we have a sweet little 21-month-old baby. Well, he's not such a baby anymore. He's extremely tall. I'm six one, so he is definitely okay. takes after my side of the family. He's such a, you know, big boy. But yeah, so married and have Davy Junior and then Girl to Find. I feel like those are the three things that encompass like so much of my life. Obviously, my mm-hmm. relationship with Christ, but like things day in and day out that I'm like doing and focusing on and I love it. I feel like I get to live like this. For me, it's like my dream life. It's like so awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is awesome. So how long ago did you start Girl Defined and what led you to start this ministry?
1: Girl Defined, I guess the idea of it came to be probably like at least 10 years ago now. Um, but we didn't have the name Girl Defined. We didn't have any idea what in the world we were going to do. It was just this passion of wanting to link arms with other women and young women and say, hey, it's really hard to follow Christ. There are so many things that are coming after us, trying to define us and our simple hearts and our own flesh. We want to buy into those things and say, oh, yes, like a relationship or looks or whatever it is, that's what defines me. And so Kristen and I were like, we battled this too. It's being a christian woman in our day and age and so we were like you know let's just be open and honest in our relationship with christ and our struggles and link arms and pull other women towards christ together Mm -hmm. and we love the titus 2 model and we feel like you know everyone's older than someone. There's always someone you can link arms with someone you can reach down to and say, Hey, let's go, let's follow Christ. Let's disciple. Let's go towards, you know, Christ. And so that's kind of how Girl Find came into be. Um, but funny story, Kristen, actually, when we were brainstorming, trying to figure out like, okay, what are we going to call this? Like, we don't, you know, we're just starting a blog. We don't even know what we're doing, but we want to be official. We want to have a plan. So she threw out this idea. What if we, what if we call it Girl Find? you know, cause it's all about like defining what it means to be a girl and a woman. And I was like, no, no, not gonna work. I don't like that at all. And she was like, okay, like back to the drawing board, like let's keep thinking. And then the next day I was like, actually, that's a really great name. Let's I go like for it. it. And we had no idea that it would become like, you know, such like it would become the name of our whole ministry. It would become the name of our first book. Our publisher liked it so much, they were like, let's call your book girl to find two. So it's just crazy, you know. But it's it's so perfect because it's like we had no idea how the world would change and How much, you know, just, I mean, you know, with all the pronouns and everything, it's like everything's trying to define us. So we had no idea how Hmm. girl defined would become such like a core part of what we're trying to do here.
0: What makes you passionate about biblical womanhood and educating women on this topic or topics related to womanhood?
1: Yeah. I mean, it honestly, it, I think the thing that makes me so passionate is knowing in my own life, like especially back in high school and then in my early 20s, I'm 33 now. So I'm like, okay. wow, life has flown by because <laughs> I still feel like I'm 21. And I'm like, I am literally 33. I'm like at my Jesus year, you know? Um, and so I, it's crazy. My husband is five and a half years younger than me too. So he's like okay. still in his 20s. Like, you know, I'm like, you're so young. <laughs> um, But over the years, I guess, just realizing my own struggle, especially in high school and early college years, I, I defined so much of my worth honestly according to what people thought about me, like how I looked and then if guys like were interested in me and I know so many girls struggle with that <laughs> even women, you know it's not just like I mean, you know, Why are why are artists like Taylor Swift so popular? They sing about breakups and guys, and you know it's like it's so much of a thing of like that's on girls' minds and women's minds. And so for me, I struggled with that so much, and I made relationships, I made beauty such an idol in my life, and it was such a dead end road. Like I never found Mm -hmm. fulfillment in it because even if a guy gave me attention or got into a relationship or I felt like I looked good that day, um, it never lasted. There was always a reason why it wasn't enough you know and the guy would move on or the relationship would end or he wouldn't give me attention or my face would break out or i had a terrible hair day or another girl was there that i felt looked better than me and and then i would feel really down um and so i just remember thinking like wow i don't want other women to have to live on this never-ending crazy cycle, always going from one thing to the next, which is really what the world offers us. You know, I mean, it's it's you know, try to get this, try to get that. Like maybe it'll be the next thing. Oh, if you just had a little more curves, a little more skinny, a little taller, shorter. It's never ending, and it's like this carrot that you keep on chasing, and it's just a depressing way to live. It's so sad, and so that is one of the the things that is, makes me so passionate about is just seeing younger women and not wanting them to have to live under that weight because it's so enslaving it's like, you know, there's such bondage in that. And I just want them, you know, the truth sets us free. Christ talks about that. Like he came so that we could have freedom and life in him. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't say anywhere in scripture that a woman who looks a certain way or, you know, has a certain amount of money is more valuable. Like he defines worth on a completely different standard, which is found in him. And so the freedom that I have found, um, obviously I'm still a sinner. I still struggle, but the freedom I have found in Christ in that area and just that freedom to be like, it doesn't matter. You know, like it doesn't matter if someone once called me freakishly tall, I'm six one. And it's like, that doesn't matter what you think about me you know like your opinion really doesn't hold weight because you didn't design me so you have no authority to define me um and so i just want other women to know that like your designer is the only one that can define you and when you really understand that and can believe that it's life changing and the freedom that comes with that changes your decisions about guys you know beauty jobs family it changes everything and so i want other women to have that because i just know how freeing and life-giving that is
0: so this might be a difficult question but how would- would you personally define biblical womanhood or a biblical theology of womanhood?
1: Oh, it's only the million dollar question. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I think that in a nutshell, um, it kind of like what I just said—that the only one who can, you know, define you is the one who designed you. So I think we have to go back to Scripture. And Kristen and I, you know, we talk about this all the time on our own podcast, the Girl Defined Show. But it's, um, it's this whole idea, like that you know that the world is completely rejecting right now. We just talked all about this like pronouns and everything. We're just completely like the world is completely rejecting that there's a designer at all. And so it's up to us mm-hmm. to define who we are and what we are. And so I think it's just starting at the foundation of like one the most important thing is that I am made in the image of God. Even you know more important than being male or female or whatever. It's like I'm an image Bearer of Christ. And that alone is the most important thing about my identity. And then realizing if I've trusted in Christ as my savior, I am his child. I'm adopted into his family. I am God's daughter. And I think that if we started right there and actually accepted those truths and believed it, it would change the way we approach scripture. It would change the way we approach biblical womanhood. And I know for so many it can even feel like defensive or like awkward or uncomfortable to talk about. But when you understand that, like, wow, like I'm an image bearer of God. And that's something well- whether people accept Christ or not, everyone is an image bearer of God. That's something that God, he created humans in his image. And we all get to bear that whether we accept it or not, but then we have that choice to be in his family. And so, I think for me that has to be the starting place for biblical womanhood and when i think of biblical womanhood getting into everything you know that we do you know all of our ministry and you know the about her podcast is devoted to helping women understand like what is this about being a woman um but if we don't understand though that foundation when we go to genesis when we see that god created men and women that he created them equally valuable but purposely different we're going to probably get defensive because we're going to be like wait no, sameness means that, that that's equality. Like we need to be, no, we actually need to be better than men. You know, we start to get in this whole feminist mindset. Like, no, actually men need to be beneath me, you know? And so many mm-hmm. high people, even Christians tell us that, like you are the most important thing in your life. You need to put everyone else behind you. And so I would say defining biblical womanhood, it's hard to put it in a nutshell, but I think that my encouragement is to start with that place of what are the foundational truths about me as a woman? Oh, it's that I'm an image bearer. It's that I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. And then that can start to, as I dig into scripture, as I dig into Genesis, as I dig into Proverbs 31, Titus, as I get into the New Testament and I, you know, my guard will be down and I'll be more open to, as God speaks of these different genders and these different roles and these different, just beautiful design for family, my heart might just be a little bit more receptive to, you know, accept some of that.
0: You recently published a book entitled "Not Part of the Plan," correct? Yes.
1: Yes. So So exciting! First of all,
0: congratulations. Thank you. How long ago was this book published? When did it release? Um, about a month ago. So it's very fresh, hot off the press. (laughs) So, can you just tell us a little bit about that book?
1: Yeah, so this is—it's crazy because you know, Girl to Find has been around for a while now. So we started our first book was Girl to Find, which unpacks everything biblical womanhood, like we just talked about, really in depth, deep dive into all of that. Um, and then we had several books in between, and then this book, not part of the plan, Trusting God with the twists and turns of your story. It's really the. Kind of the journey and story of the last 10 years of Kristen and, you know, it's us as sisters, our lives, and really just sharing openly and honestly how life doesn't always go away the way that we want. There are a lot of twists and turns, things that are not a part of our plan. And what do we do when we face those moments? Because disappointment, unfulfilled longings, it comes for all of us. Like we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where we have our own expectations and we want to say, hey, God, I'll trust you as long as you do what I want, you know. But as soon as life doesn't go the way that we want. It's hard. It's difficult. And, you know, there's no guarantees, you know, whether it's desiring marriage and not getting it, wanting children, not getting it, you know, wanting your family to look different, not wanting something to happen or whatever it is. If we don't have a foundation, if we don't know how to trust God through that, if we don't understand his good character through it all, you know, what's going to hold us together? We're going to have to turn to media or, you know, unhealthy relationships or, you know, even sexual addictions, things like that to cope. And we know that's not going to satisfy us. We know that's not going to ultimately help us. And so when we face disappointment, how do we deal with that? And so this entire book is just our testimony and then us inviting you in and saying, what's your story? What's your unfulfilled longing? What's your disappointment? Where are you going? How can we better like understand God and his goodness? How can we better learn practically how to trust him? How does that all work? So it's so foundational. And I think so amazing that It's coming out right now, especially at this time in history with the pandemic and all of that, where it's like, we didn't know when we chose to write this book that the pandemic was even going to hit. We were like, everyone faces (laughs) disappointment. Everyone faces struggle. Then the pandemic hit. And we're like, wow, this book is going to hit at such a perfect time for women because I know we all need hope right now. And there's only one place where ultimate hope is found. And so this book is not the Bible, but it points you to scripture and helps women unpack it in a way that makes sense Mm -hmm. for our modern day.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite chapter in the book? That you wrote? Oh,
1: absolutely. Probably. <laughs> I mean, the first chapter is so fun because it's the whole story about me buying a wedding dress when I was completely single mm-hmm. and sitting in the <laughs> back of my closet and just like the craziest story. So you can read that, but it's probably the story I get to share my whole love story. Because starting, you know, the, the, you know, beginning of the book starts with that whole journey of like singleness and disappointment and just like, oh, life is not going the way I want. And then ultimately this whole journey of learning to trust God, starting Girl Defined Ministries, learning to thrive in him. Sounds easy, you know, when I share it like that, but that's like, you know, over a decade of my life, that was not always easy. Um, Mm -hmm. And just, you know, that whole journey, journeying along with Kristen, we're only a year and a half apart, her whole journey of infertility, ultimately up to adoption, just all of that as sisters going through that. And then I get to share my love story with Dave, we get to share our journal entries in this book, and then even my birth story. So that's all kind of like in one chapter towards the end. And it's just so fun because for so much of running Girl Defined Ministries in all of our books, Dave, my husband, wasn't in my life because we weren't together. Um, so finally having a book where I get to share like, hey, like I have- This is who I know, was. <laughs> yes, here's who I was and here's where I am now. And this is crazy. Like, I can't believe I'm writing about this. So that's probably the most fun, um, you know, just having finally having an opportunity to like, oh, I, I have something fun to share about. Yeah,
0: a very tangible look at the yeah. way the Lord has worked in your life over the past- Exactly. 10 years. That's very neat. You briefly mentioned a bit of your story, but would you mind just sharing a little bit more about- your journey through disappointment mm. and unfulfilled longings, what that looked like over there. Yeah. I know that's a, a long span of time, 10 years for you to summarize, yeah. but if you want to touch on bits and pieces of your story. For
1: sure. Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I'm 33. This book kind of takes us back to like right post high school. And, you know, I grew up in a big family. There are eight kids in my family and amazing Christian parents. And I felt like, you know, I really did love the Lord. I had, you know, wonderful experience in my family. So I always liked the idea of getting married, having lots of kids. Um, it wasn't just something that it was like, Oh, this is what you must do because you are a woman. It was like, no, I really desire that deeply. And I thought, well, God created marriage. He created family. So of course he would want to give me these good gifts, you know, like he would want to give this to me because look, I'll serve the kingdom. I'll raise up these amazing children. Like, of course this is going to happen. So like I mentioned, I long story short, bought a wedding dress when I was in my early twenties, I had no prospects on site. I didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't in a relationship, but I thought, Oh, marriage will probably come my way in the next few years. So I bought this wedding dress. That was like the wedding dress of my dreams, put it in the back of my closet, had no idea that it would be sitting there collecting dust for years on end because marriage did not come knocking on my door. Um, There were, you know, there were guys around, but they're just, there was, you know, I was in a relationship, out of relationship, but nothing, it just wasn't the right thing. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, there weren't, there wasn't anyone I wanted to spend the rest of my life with or felt like, wow, we make a better team for Christ together than apart. And so it was just this whole process of realizing marriage is a good thing, but just because it's a good thing, it doesn't mean that God is going to give that to me or that's how he wants Mm -hmm. me to serve him right now. And that was such a place of struggle for me because I had for so many years, like many little girls dreamed of this. I watched, Mm -hmm. you know, the little princess movies and happily ever after. And so it was hard for me to like, think of my future without that. But I had to come to the realization, like, I am not married right now. I am not in a relationship right now. Am I going to put my life on hold until I get this thing that I want? Or am I going to surrender this, surrender this hope and say, Hey, maybe you have that for me. Maybe you don't, I don't know, but you've put me here for a reason and I can serve you right now, exactly where you have me, or I can just live in disappointment and, you know, be miserable. And so I decided, you know what? Like, this is really hard. And God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot trust you. But I, for many years, I've loved Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I really made that kind of an anthem in my life, you know, the verse where it talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That verse became such an anchor for my soul. And I can tell you, like I, sometimes it would be multiple times a day, especially around like holidays or Valentine's day, or if I had a friend getting married. I mean, I was a bridesmaid so many times. I caught so many bouquets. <laughs> I'm very tall. Like, Oh, your turn's next. I'm like, trust me. It's not, this is my fifth bouquet. I've got like, you know, it's not happening. Um, but it was just, you know, I, I, I had moments where I was really sad and I think that's okay. Like we even see in the Psalms, like it's okay to have emotion. It's okay to express like, God, I really want this, but I'm not going to allow this to become an idol. I'm not going to allow this to control me. I'm going to open up my hands and surrender to you and I'm going to trust you. And so that was a process and a journey, but I can tell you that God was so gracious to me and he changed my heart so much and really gave me the ability to live fully and to thrive. And I came to the point where I loved my life. I got super involved at church. I got super involved in our singles you know, group, helping lead a lot of stuff, planning activities. Um, I just poured my heart into my family and in Girl Defined Ministries, mentoring girls around me, um, building solid friendships with other women. And I realized like, wow, God has so much for me to live for him and to serve for him, for him right now. Um, and am I just going to waste all this time or... Like, no. And so I just, you know, obviously grew a passion for other single women because I know many feel the same way I did. And so, um, you know, I had no expectation at that point of getting married. I really wanted to, um, but I didn't view it like, oh, you know, if I get, if I finally become content, God's going to give me this thing. It wasn't like a prosperity gospel sort of situation. It was just like, God, even if you never give that to me, I will praise you, I will live for you, and I will serve you because I see that. My purpose in life is to glorify you. That's my ultimate purpose, to know you and to glorify you. If I get married, my purpose remains the same. My circumstances change, and now I'm a wife. I might become a mother, um, and I get to serve you in different ways, but my purpose is still the same. And so when I realized that, I was like, wow. Wow. What what am I doing? Like my purpose is the same. I'm here to live for God, to serve him, to point others to him, to be in relationship with him. I can do that fully right now. Um, And so that was so freeing for me because I realized my circumstances don't have to change in order for me to fully live for God and to live out the reason he put me here. Um, And so when I eventually did meet Dave, my husband, um, and we ended up getting married when I was 30, it was just, I, I was so grateful God had grown my Heart and my just me as a person so much. I just, you know, he he had taught me so much about trusting in him and leaning on him and looking to him for my satisfaction. Um, and I can tell you right now, like if I had gotten married for me, this isn't for everyone, but for me, if I would got married at like 21, 22 or 23, I would have been such a hot mess because I would have been totally <laughs> looking to my husband to like completely satisfy me. Like, you must be my everything. And it would have just been. Probably a rough few years. But for me, getting married later, I just had so much growing I need to do and so much, like, so many idols in my heart that I needed to get rid of. And so obviously, I'm still a work in progress, but I can tell you that um, my husband and I, our relationship has just been so beautiful um, and so sweet. And just both of us having this desire to want to love and serve and, you know, like, it's just not this all consuming, like you must be everything for me, you know? And so um, I think that the more we can learn to trust in God, whether you're single or married, um, it, it truly leads to like more peace and joy and hope because you're not expecting all of these things out of life in order to make you happy. You're like, oh, I understand why I hear. I understand what my purpose is. And even if my circumstances never change, I can trust God. I can live for him. I can serve him exactly where he has me. And I think there's something so freeing about that.
0: As a young married woman, I am 26 now, but I was married when I was 21. And it really is so easy to idolize your husband or to think that he is the end all be all. This is what I am to be as a wife. And I just really admire your story because there's so much in your story to learn from and that my ultimate goal as a woman is not just to be a wife. My ultimate goal, as you said, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I'm able to do that in the context of a marriage, but the point of my marriage isn't to bring me fulfillment. It's to point to Christ and point to the beauty of who God is. So I just really appreciate your story. And it has been an encouragement to me. As I was reading your story about the wedding dress, I had so many questions. (laughs) One of those being like, how did your sister respond? In the in the book, you say she responded so graciously. I don't think I would have responded so graciously when I, if I was going to purchase my wedding dress and then I walked out without one and my sister walked out with one. That's so funny. I how did know. she respond?
1: We're just kind of weird over here. <laughs> um, Cause we're like a big family, you know? And then we, there are five of us girls, Kristen and I are really close in age. I think the reason that it was okay um, is because one, like we're wedding dress shopping for her. I'm completely single. So it's not like I'm on her heels, like about to, we going to have yeah. a double wedding or something, you know, yeah. I'm just like <laughs> single. And it was, it was just one of those situations where this dress in my eyes was like literally the most beautiful thing perfection. I'd ever seen. Yeah. Perfection. And Kristen wasn't, she was like, it's really pretty for you, but it's not me. And it totally wasn't like it. We're very similar, but very different. You know, like I'm a little bit more like. Like I want to make a big impact and she's a little more like classy, you know, she went for like the red roses, more Royal feel. And I'm like, let's party, you know, so this dress <laughs> was like sparkles and tool and, you know, all of that. And so, um, she was actually the one that kind of encouraged me to get it. She was like, I mean, you never know. It'll probably be gone. Like you should get it, you know? And so I, I ended that. up buying it and she thought it was great. Like that was, amazing. it's funny. Cause I've had people, you know, like when I shared about this for the very first time, I had so many people <laughs> who were like you, I cannot believe you stole that moment from your sister. You are a terrible person and all this stuff. And I was like, hello, like she's the one who encouraged me to get it. Like she was the one who was like, you should try it on. Um, And so I can see how it, you know, mm-hmm. for some people that might've been really awkward and hard. And so I can understand why they might think I'm like the worst sister in the world, but no, no, with no. Kristen and I's relationship and just the way that the whole moment worked out, it felt like super, I don't know. It just felt like it was, like normal, but it was crazy. So I mean, just speaks I, to the the closeness and the intimacy yeah. of
0: your relationship as sisters and also just her graciousness and yes. the fact that she's rooting for you and cheering you I on know. as much as you were cheering for her on. So I really enjoyed reading that story, but <laughs> did
1: you end up wearing the wedding dress in your wedding? So I ended up getting married about 10 years after I bought that wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And, um, by the time I got married, I realized, I was like, this does not like reflect Dave. Who's my husband. I was like, I just can't imagine walking down the aisle to him in this dress. Like it just didn't feel like us. And so I was like, I just can't wear this. Like this just isn't us. And then in that moment too, I wanted to get something that I felt like I bought for him, you know, like I with mm-hmm. him in mind. So I ended up getting a completely different dress that looked totally different. And you can see it. You can just go to my Instagram at bethany.beal. And I have tons of pictures of it because people are probably curious, like what I've posted pictures now of both of the dresses. But the surprising news is that I actually have still owned both of those dresses. So I have my actual wedding dress. And now I have this other wedding dress that I bought like, what, like 13 years ago now. And it's kind of become just like this hilarious joke. And I almost don't want to get rid of it because I'm like, this is going to come in handy one day. Like I'm going to be, I need to use it for like a speaking prop or like an example. And even my younger sisters and their friends, they've like all tried it on. And I'm like, maybe there will be someone... Who needs a wedding dress or, and I can give it to them. So I'm always listening and like have my eyes open. Like, is there a purpose for this dress? Like, I feel like its story is still continuing. The story on that wedding dress is not over. So I'm like, what, what is the closing chapter with this this dress? Maybe it'll happen one day. So I'll have to update you if that ever happens.
0: Yes. (laughs) Definitely keep me updated. Even just the fact that the old dress looks so different from the new, like. Yes. That in and of itself communicates the ways that God worked in your heart and changed exactly. over time. So I just, it's such a cool picture, even though it is an odd story that you you read it, it and is. you're like, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> I, I love it. As you look back at the various seasons that you've walked through and waiting and trusting and wrestling, are there any specific aspects of God's character that you clung to in seasons of waiting or that have taught you much as you've
1: progressed through these seasons? Um, I think the the main thing, you know, is... I've realized that God isn't, God doesn't change when I feel a certain Hmm. way, you know? And so for me, as I've looked back through scripture, this is probably the thing about God, that has been so encouraging to me. As I look back through scripture, I see that, um, you know, I see these stories of like Joseph or Esther, all these people in scripture. And it was so easy for me to be like, well, of course they were able to live for God or trust him because they knew the end. Like they, look, I can read the whole story. It's right here. Um, And I would realize like, wow, they didn't know the end of the story. They had to have Faith, but mm-hmm. ultimately God, He was able to use even hard circumstances for good. He was, He was, He never left them. He was never like, "All right, you are just too complicated. Forget you." And so, just realizing God's like His incredible steadfastness, um, His incredible patience, um, just the fact that He doesn't like we quit on people. We don't forgive people. We don't, we're the ones that do all of those things, but that's not God. Like he is just, yes, but he is also, I mean, like the gospel, it's like, he's so gracious. He's so kind. I mean, you when you just look in these like these stories, like David, or, you know, it's like, these were not perfect people. You know, he didn't use perfect people. God graciously uses us and he's so patient with us. And that's so encouraging to me because there are even times today, you know, as a wife, and I'm sure you can relate to this, where sometimes I'm like, I am literally the worst. Like I am getting so yep. impatient or I got annoyed at like the stupidest thing. Like he yes. didn't you know, he literally didn't even do anything wrong and I'm like, how would he why would he do that? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness." And just realizing like God is so like he doesn't do that to me. He's so gracious. And then Praying and saying, God, would you give me that kind of steadfast, forgiving, like believing the best kind of love for my husband? um, Because that's who you are. I don't have those qualities, but you do. And so just knowing that God is so gracious and so patient and doesn't require me to be perfect to earn his love, like he gives it freely to me, knowing that I am literally like a knucklehead half the time, you know, it's like that is so mind blowing to me. And it just makes me, you know, it, it makes me. So grateful for him that I don't like, God isn't like us humans, you know? And so when you understand the steadfastness and perfection and graciousness of God, it just like it, it should draw you into a deeper relationship with him. And then it should drive you to love others in that same way through the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful for that because I, you know, I, you know, am hot mess half the time. And so it's like, wow, thank you <laughs> Lord, for being that steadfastness in my life. That thing that never changes from the, you know, the beginning and the end of all of time, you are the one thing that never changes and what comfort that brings, you know, especially this crazy world. So I'm just so grateful for his unchanging character. It just brings so much peace to my heart.
0: It may have been you, or it may have been your sister wrote that there are three types of believers, or three types of women, these women being the woman who is coming out of a trial, the woman who's walking into a trial, and the woman who's in the middle of a trial. So I would like to take a few moments just to talk about those three specific types of women and provide encouragement or advice for them. So let's start with a woman who's coming out of a trial. Is there, do you have any particular encouragement or a challenge that you would offer the woman who's coming out of a trial?
1: That can be so hard. Um, You know, there are so many things in my life where I look at and I'm like, wow, you know, even things that I don't share publicly that are just hard. And I think of walking through that specifically with Kristen, um, when she was, you know, kind of coming out of that trial of going through a third miscarriage, you know, when it was almost like, Oh, maybe this is that light that, you know, she's gone through two miscarriages, ton, you know, years of infertility, but you know, miraculously she gets pregnant again, almost makes it to 12 weeks, but then finds out she has a miscarriage. And so walking through that with her as sisters, and um seeing her come through that trial and ultimately grief you know it can sometimes it's all in that that morning can always be a part of our life but seeing her i think that the encouragement um that i know was most meaningful to her was i think that it's um one realizing that true joy and suffering can coexist at the same time and you don't have to come to this marker like okay i'm no longer going to be sad or feel like i guess grieved by what happened you know like i'm sure for her looking back on that miscarriage there will even now still be moments of sadness or like man what if or i wonder when the you know kind of like anniversary marks of when that time comes around or maybe moments where you you know see a baby and you're like man what would have been so just encouraging the women the woman who's coming out of a trial to know it's okay to continue to feel those feelings of grief, God created emotions. So you don't have to stifle it down, but also keeping your eyes ahead, looking forward, and realizing it's also okay to start to move into that place of joy and life. And you don't have to stay in that moment. It doesn't mean you diminish it. It doesn't mean you don't care about it. Um, but you, you know, you can look forward, and you can have your eyes up, and you can start to feel like life and hope again. So I think it's a really hard place. That tension of you know, knowing that there was that suffering and sometimes even feeling that grief, but also moving forward with joy and starting to look ahead and have hope in the future and what's to come. Um, So just an encouragement to know that that's okay to have both of those intent, like intention at the same time. Yeah.
0: I think something that's compelling to me about your story and your sister's story is that you both were there to support one another in the midst of these seasons. So I know I didn't give you this question ahead of time, but are there any practical ways that you recommend supporting a woman who's in the middle or coming out of a trial, how can women that are not coming out of a trial support a woman that is coming out of a trial?
1: Yeah. You know, I was actually just chatting with a really good friend who has been through more than, you know, like anyone I know. She's just been through so much. It's like one thing after another. And she was telling me, you know, she was saying like, so much, uh, I guess not even just Christians, but people in general feel very uncomfortable with grief and sadness. And oftentimes we want to change the subject or we don't want to mention it. Like, I don't want to make you cry or mm-hmm. I don't want to bring this up and make you sad. Um, and from, you know, in my own experience and others I've known who have like, you know, our family, we, the, you know, the ninth sibling in our family, he only lived for one day. And I even remember my mom saying that so many people don't want to, didn't want to upset her. So they would just never mention him. I had another, uh, really close family friends and the son was my age and he literally dropped out on the basketball court and it was a heart issue. And I remember the family saying, um, so many people don't want to upset us or they just, their lives move on. So after a month or two, they just never talk about it again. And so whether, you know, whatever it is a big, massive, grief of losing someone or whether it's a smaller child where you're like, you know, to me, this feels really big, um, whatever it is. If you are that friend, that sister, whoever you are, don't be afraid, especially in the right circumstances. Like if it's one-on-one, not in the middle of a massive group setting, maybe it's just a text. Like even if it's been six months, maybe you have a friend who went through a miscarriage saying, Hey, I know this happened, you know, about six months ago, but I just wanted to let you know, like, I'm thinking of you. Um, I'm praying for you. Um, I just wanted to see how you're doing, you know, and in that, Just letting them know you care, you're thinking about them, you haven't forgotten. If there's a private setting where you're able to just let them know, like, hey, I'm thinking about you. How are you really doing? How can I support you? How can I pray about you? Or even asking them, would you like me to ask you about this? Would Mm -hmm. you like me to continue to text you about it or bring it up? Um, Don't be afraid to go to those hard places. I know it can feel awkward and uncomfortable, um, but I think we do a major disservice to our sisters in Christ when we just ignore it. Um, and I think that can be painful for the woman who's feeling like, does anyone even care? Does anyone you know, care about this pain or this suffering or this trial that I'm going through? Um, so I think one of the best ways we can love them is to communicate about it and ask them how we can support them. If I were just gonna say you could, you know one question to ask, a friend who's going through a trial or coming out of a trial, just ask her, you know, what is the best way that I can support you now and in the future and offer some ideas? Would would it be helpful if I texted you about this every now and then just to ask how you're doing? Would it be helpful if I sent you a meal? Would it be helpful? You can offer those ideas to them so they can say, you know, actually, no, I I just don't feel comfortable talking about it right now. Or yeah, actually a meal would be really encouraging right now. So just don't be afraid to enter that place of grief um, because it's it's a, you know, God has given us grief and he's given us that to process and to work through all of this. So just be a sister that's willing to go to that kind of that uncomfortable place. I think that'd be such a blessing to whoever is going through a trial.
0: Definitely. I am by no means an expert on this and I have so much room to grow on that topic, but I do have a friend who she's very good about asking and supporting in just different seasons and one thing she always does is she'll text or she'll call or talk to me in person and just say hey I I'm not really sure how to support you in this season can you teach me how to do that and so I think just asking someone to teach you and um 100% letting them know I I don't know how to support you right now and I'm really struggling but I really want to so help me teach me how to do that I think it's okay to say we don't know
1: sometimes That's wonderful. Great advice.
0: What about the woman who's walking into a trial? So she's at the front of it. She sees it and she's walking into it. What encouragement do you have for her?
1: I think the hardest thing about a trial is if you try to walk it alone or you just try to keep it all to yourself. You know, God created us to be within community. We see even in the garden, you know, like he created us to be with um, one another and to be in relationship mm-hmm. with him um and so I would just really encourage you to make sure that you have like even if it's just one other godly woman who you can talk to who you can get advice from who you can say you know in the midst of this maybe you know we don't always see right we don't see god right our emotions can take over and so having someone who can be like you know if you're married obviously you have your husband but I think it's also important to have a like more community and sometimes women can just relate to each other in a unique in unique way, knowing kind of how we feel or just experience things. And so I think having that support would be incredibly huge. I just I cannot imagine walking through trial alone. And so obviously I think the foundation is you know, not running away from God, but running to him and using this trial as an opportunity to cling closer to him through the valley saying, God, I, you know, I feel so heartbroken and hurt, whatever it is. Um, you you know, being in the book of Psalms because it's filled with so much emotion, but then always ending on the goodness of God and the hope that is in Christ, but not denying the hardship of circumstances. So it's being in the word, you know, just Camp out in the Psalms and make sure you have someone who can walk through that moment with you because, you know, it's you'll need that person where you can call, where you can just say, Hey, pray for me. I mean, there's nothing like that community and that the body of Christ that God has given us to bear one another's burdens with each other. So I think that's crucial. Right.
0: What about the woman who's in the middle of a trial? So right now she's in the thick of it. It feels like it's never going to end. What encouragement do you have for her?
1: Mm, that's so hard. You know, in trials, they can be they can look and come in all sorts of shapes and sizes um and i just want to you know acknowledge cuz i think that it can be really easy to say well this shouldn't be a problem this shouldn't be considered a trial because look at all these other people look at the you know the suffering around the world and we can almost try to convince ourselves like well this that i should just i just need to pull myself up by the bootstraps put my big girl panties on and like <laughs> deal with it but it's okay like god understands mm-hmm. that we all different things can be really hard. Like, you know, for me, singleness was really hard. I didn't want it. I wanted to be married, but someone else could be like, you have a great life, like get over it, like deal with it. Um, but I don't think that's the the most helpful approach. So I think if you're in the midst of a trial, whether, you know, other people view it as small and insignificant, or it's obviously a very big deal. Um, if you're in the middle of it, I think that absolutely like now more than ever is the time where you have to, it's like, you know, if you have, if you've had a relationship with Christ, you're going to be, you know, leaning on that so much. But if you haven't really invested into that part of your life, you have to start now. Like you have to make sure that you are, if you're able to get plugged into a good Bible believing church don't, I know there will be days where you're like, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be involved in community. I don't want to do that. I don't even want to see people, but that's literally what Christ created, you know, their Mm -hmm. church for, like I said, is to bear each other's burdens is to be able to be there for one another. And if you completely unplug from that, because you just want to be at home or be alone and kind of isolated. um, I think that's going to be the absolute worst thing for you. So I would encourage you, if you're walking through trial, don't isolate yourself and don't just run yourself busy, you know, shopping and doing everything and watching movies, trying to forget about it. But be in that healthy middle place of saying, hey, I'm going to surround myself with good community. And I'm going to realize this is a hard time. So I may not be able to do everything else I want to do in life right now. I'm going to kind of take a step back, but I'm going to make sure I'm spending time in the word daily. You know, I mean, that's not part of the plan would be an incredible book for you to read right now. If you're in the midst of a trial, because it helps you to know how to understand scripture. It brings up, you know, stories from scripture that will be so encouraging to you, like the story of Joseph um, in the old Testament. I would encourage you to go read that. Um, It gives you questions and study guides and scripture so that you can you know, you can almost use it as a devotional, um, but stay plugged into the word, find good resources, like not a part of a plan that can help encourage your soul and then have that community. So when you are struggling or you're feeling extra low, you can reach out, don't isolate yourself. Um, That would probably be my biggest encouragement.
0: So earlier you said that you... During that span of 10 years, you were longing for marriage, which is something that's very good and it's a good gift and you were longing for this and you weren't getting it. So what insight or encouragement would you offer a woman who is longing for a good gift and feels like almost like God is withholding that good gift from her?
1: I know for me, I had, um, a perspective of God that was very much like, okay, I do these good things and live a certain way and desire certain things. And then you reward my, you know, good behavior. Hmm. So kind of very, um, prosperity, you know, we don't often like to think that we believe that way, but I think many of us do like, all right, God, I put my quarter in, give me, you know, this good thing out. (laughs) Um, and so I think we have to reframe our perspective of God and realize like, yes, God has created wonderful, good gifts, but it doesn't mean everyone's life is going to look exactly the same same, like you said, you got married, you know, really young. Yeah, we got married like early. a decade <laughs> apart, you know. Yeah, and that's God's story is so different for each one mm-hmm. of us. So you have to take a step back and recognize, yes, it's okay to say marriage is a wonderful thing. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's such a good gift. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Like, wow, I'm so amazed by God's incredible creation of this, and I'm going to celebrate it and other people's lives. But I'm also going to realize, like, marriage ultimately isn't why god put me on this earth you know like yes i can desire that and i can want that but that shouldn't be the end all and you know it shouldn't be what i'm living for and so or even like children a beautiful desire a good gift but does that mean every woman is going to have children no um and so i think it's taking a step back and saying these are good things, but one, like being really honest, God never promises us these things. Yes, he created them. He says they're good things, but he doesn't say every person will get these. And just honestly kind of like accepting that and saying, wow, like I have kind of lived this entitled sort of life where I feel like, God, I've, I've done the things I'm supposed to. I desire the right things. So you should give me this in return. And it's like, no, That's not why you're here. You're not here to get those things. If God gives them to you, the purpose isn't just to make them all about you. The purpose is to love those God has put around you, to point those people to Jesus, to love them and serve them. Um, I often go back to the life of Jesus in, in scripture where it talks about the fact that Jesus came to do the will of his father and he came not to be served, but to serve. And so when you have that mindset as well, it's like, wow, Jesus, he came to earth. He never got married. You know, he never had those physical children, but he completely fulfilled the will of his father. And so for us, we can look to him as such a perfect example of that and say, wow, Jesus came to do a really hard, but (laughs) miraculous thing. And my life, it's not about me. It's to do the will of the father. It's to serve and not be served. And that's really hard to accept. That's a really hard place to get to. Um, but I think that's, you know ultimately, we have to acknowledge and come to the realization that it's it's not about us. it's about living to serve God, and that's truly where life is found. Like when we lose our lives for Christ's sake, then we will find it and who better to look to than the life of Christ. So I'd encourage you to camp out in the Gospels. if you're struggling, go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, refresh your mind on what the gospel is all about. Refresh your mind on like the life of Jesus because I think that you know kind of it reminds us of what we're here for and what our purpose is.
0: Hmm. Yeah, obviously it's inevitable that we will experience trials or unfulfilled longings because we live in a fallen world. But I think in seasons where things are going really well, we don't not like to think about the fact that oh, yeah. it's not always going to be easy. I mean, it's just it's an uncomfortable and um, can cause feelings of anxiety or discomfort even just to think about the fact that it's not always going to be easy. Yeah, how should we reframe our mindset to think about trials? in seasons where things are going well.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important to always, like, choose gratitude and to rejoice and to say, hey, like – Things are going really well right now. Like, that's awesome. Like, I'm not going to live in this, like, ruin these moments because I'm afraid of what's to come. And I've, you know, my husband and I, we've thought about that too. It's like, none of us have a guarantee. So it's like, I have no guarantee that both of us will be here forever. It's like one of us could, you know, pass away for some reason. And that sounds terrible and like morbid to say, Mm -hmm. but it's like, that's the reality. Our little son, we love him 10 million pieces, but there are no guarantees. But instead of being fearful and anxious about the what ifs, we've really strived to like focus on the joy and the delight of what we have right now. So rejoicing, like, I love my little son so much and just delighting and like that God has given me him today. And I get to love him and my husband instead of, you know, I'll often think about that. Like when I get kind of annoyed or frustrated, I'll often think like, wow, today is the only day truly that I have with him. You know, tomorrow, it's not a guarantee, you know, the next day, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee that either one of us will be here. And so- Um, I'll often think like, wow, instead of getting anxious about the future, let me rejoice and express gratitude um, right now. And I know Nancy DeMoss-Bolgamou says you can whine or you can worship, but you can't do both at the same time. And so instead of it's almost like a similar idea. Instead of whining or fretting or worrying about the future, we can express gratitude and worship God today for what we do have. And it really is like, it it literally takes that away because we can only do so much in our brains at one time. So if we're worshiping God and thanking him for what we have and expressing gratitude and just praising him, like we're not going to be able to worry about the future at the same time. So we can live in this moment and say, God, thank you. It's not It's not that you're living short-sighted, but you're living in daily gratitude. You're living in daily worship. And then it really changes the way you love your husband, you love your family, or the way that you live in each moment. Um, I think also it's remembering like we cannot spend our lives worrying about things that may never happen. I used to worry (laughs) all the time that I was going to end up this old maid in a rocking chair, rocking my life away. And I was going to be like 85 and everyone was going to have happy lives. And I'd somehow end up on this prairie by myself. And I would just be this miserable old maid. And I know it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it's like, I would worry so much about literally being like an 80 year old that was all alone. And it's like, I wasted so much time because one, that's not how my story turned out. And two, it's like our... Like, we are trying to carry the weight of fu- the future that, like, we can't. Like, God hasn't even revealed that to us. We don't know what's gonna happen. So, God's like, hey, I can give you strength and grace and what you need for this moment. Trust me for this moment. And then tomorrow, trust me for that moment. The next day, trust me for that moment. You don't have to trust me for all the future days. Just look right now and trust me for this moment. And I think that that truly is the key to really being able to. Enjoy the good gifts that God has given us right now, and don't have to feel bad about it. It's like we can praise Him and rejoice with what we have, and I think that's beautiful.
0: So, singleness is a topic that's very near and dear to your heart. What are practical ways that if a woman is listening and she is single, how can she make the most of her singleness and not view
1: it as a burden? Yeah, I think that singleness is, you know a wonderful season. And I know I say that now it's like, well, you're married now. And it's like, I know, but I was single a lot longer than I wanted. And I, I I'm telling you, like, I remember that cause I was single a lot longer than I've been married so far. Um, but when I finally changed my perspective, it was like, I realized how much like my time just looks so different as a single than it does now as a married. And I remember just really taking advantage of the flexibility and the freedom that I had as a single, because the truth is single or married, like if you get married, you are literally saying there are like you're, you're putting some things, you're sacrificing some things, like you're sacrificing your flexibility, a lot of freedoms that you have, because you are now taking on this other person, you're, you're entering into this covenant, this relationship, and your life will look different, you know, your priorities have to look different, so it's, there are, there are like sacrifices that you make in both directions, you know, and so instead of just viewing like, oh, this is the worst, look at it in, in a way that says, wow, I do have a lot of freedom, I do have a lot of flexibility, I do have a lot of opportunities right now in this season that I most likely will not have when I get married, and so like my younger sister Alyssa, she was single for a long time as well. She decided each summer to spend several weeks, maybe it was like I don't even know, two months in China working in orphanages, and that's something that would be extremely hard for her to do right now because she's pregnant and she's married to a missionary that lives in Ukraine. So she her life has looks radically different. But even for me, I'm like Davey Jr., my son, my husband. There's no way I could pick up and go to China for two months and and do that. Um, or for me, I would host so many gatherings for the singles and got super involved in my church in a way that having a son, like I literally cannot do my, my time and my capacity. Like, I just literally cannot live like I used to when I was single. I can't stay up as late. I can't go out on those Friday nights like I used to. It's not a bad thing. It's just life looks different. So, practically, I would just encourage you to not view the time and flexibility you have as a burden. Like, oh, but if I have a husband or if I have kids, view it as an opportunity to serve God and to live for Him and to just enjoy life in ways that will look different when you get married. Neither are bad, they're just different. Um, And then also, I would really encourage you to make sure, like I said, Get involved in your church, get involved in a small group that will be super encouraging to you and make sure you're serving. Um, don't just make life all about you. Figure out a way you can serve, you know, f- go to your church first. That's a great place, but then get creative. Look like, has God given you any natural talents, any giftings, anything that you can do um, and and start you know, start small, but just start making life not about you. The more life is just about us and our eyes are on us, that's when we're most miserable. But the more we look at others, um, the easier it gets. Um, and then the last bit of advice that I would give to you is to really try and find try to find ways where you can be around people that aren't in your exact same season. So if you're single, don't just surround yourself with singles. Try to figure out ways whether it's volunteering in the nursery or you know going and you know spending time with older couples at your church or inviting different age groups over to your house, whatever it looks like. Don't, you know, don't isolate yourself from the girls that are getting married. Um, I know there can be like this natural separation, but don't do that. We need the body of Christ. God gave us all the different ages and stages of life, and it will be such a blessing to you and you will be a blessing to them. So I really encourage you to be proactive in that way, um, as a single, cause I think that's like super, super helpful.
0: Hmm. So now that you have received the good gift of marriage and you are married, what are practical ways that you make sure you aren't over prioritizing your marriage or your husband and making them more important than your relationship with Christ?
1: Well, I'm definitely not a pro. You've been married <laughs> longer than me, so you Neither probably haven't am I. More figured out. <laughs> no. Uh, I, you know. I'm really grateful to be married to a man who helps me to keep those priorities straight. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we do, we love being together. We love spending time together. I love my my little baby Davey. He's just so sweet and so cute. Um, uh, for me, uh, something that has been helpful and this isn't, you know, I think being in the word is super, super important, obviously, but, uh, practical things that you can do on top of that to help you like keep your mind and heart focused on Christ. Um, I love to listen to really helpful, biblically based, you know, podcasts, like what you're doing, you're helping women to know practically how to live out God's word, how to apply it to their season of life. So I love like revive our hearts. I love their podcasts and they're often digging into scripture. So things like that have been super helpful for me, super, super helpful. Um, the other thing that's like probably the number one thing is having a mentor for me. Um, I've had, I had a mentor, much older woman. She was amazing. She was kind of my mentor, but when I was dating and then engaged and then in the first like year or two of marriage and she moved away. And so now I'm just started a new mentorship with another godly woman who she's been married for like over, I don't even know how long, many more years than me. Um, but she's just been super amazing to say, Hey, yeah, I'll walk alongside life with you and just help you to have like, You know, have those checks and have those like conversations and be able to. I invite her to speak into my life honestly and truthfully. And so, if I am just left up to myself, I'll probably um, get really off track. Um, You know, I know I have the Holy Spirit and the Word, but I think God also gave us the body of Christ to help, you know, pour into us and help us to see our blind spots. So, for me, having that specific person who I invite into my life to speak into me and help me to see, hey, like, I think you're getting a little off track or you might want to, you know, think about this or here are some ideas to consider. Um, That's been super, super helpful. So I would say those, you know, that's probably the number, you know, obviously being in the word, making sure that I am actually, you know, spending time, filling my mind with truth, spending time in prayer, and then having a mentor. It's like, if I have those two things, I feel like, you know, that's awesome. And then listening to good podcasts, being in good, you know, books, things like that are super awesome. But those two things are like my foundation.
0: Are there any particular books or resources apart from your own book on the topic of trials and unfulfilled longings that you recommend?
1: Yes. um, I mean, basically... um obviously anything by Nancy DeMoss-Wolgamuth, I love, that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm looking over cause I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I love books. I love to read. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, I really mm-hmm. love her resources. Um, she has a book called the path of loneliness, which is really, really good. Um, and she, she actually, they're actually uploading a lot of her talks to a podcast. You can just search Elizabeth mm-hmm. Elliott. I love it. Um, it's yeah, super awesome. So that's a way to get like really good encouragement. And obviously, you know, you can go research her story, but just an incredible woman, and you know went through so much suffering and trials. So I think she's an incredible, incredible woman to listen to. Um, there's a book uh, by Andrew Murray called Humility and Surrender. I've been talking about it. It's not necessarily on the topic of trials, but it's it's like a reframing of just like why we're here in Jesus life. And it kind of takes you through the life of Jesus. And he went through so many trials and suffering. And so the, I personally, I love reading people who are like, not from our modern day, because I sometimes feel like we're so like social media and media. And so getting to read people like Elizabeth Elliot or Andrew Murray, or listen to even their talks, it's like just very refreshing to me. And it just, kind of reframes things. So I would definitely, probably my number one recommendation would be go to Elizabeth Elliott's resources because I think those will probably be like the most helpful.
0: I have a few fun closing questions for you. But first, what are you currently studying in God's word? Mm,
1: so I, I'm i in the midst of this book, Humili- Humility and Surrender. And it's been really challenging me to go to passages that talk about humility. So I've been in Philippians, Philippians 2 a lot um, and just really trying to... Um, I don't know, kind of uproot like the natural pride and selfishness in my heart because it's just always very, very much there. Um, so I I cannot tell you how many times I've been reading like in Philippians and even just going to like smaller books and just reading like in Ephesians, just reading several chapters at a time. Um, and then I've kind of been using this book, Humility and Surrender, as it brings up passages because um, it brings up a lot of scripture references, turning to those, meditating on those, reading those. Um, it's just given me some kind of like guidance on where to go in scripture as I'm trying to really like take a deep dive into this whole topic of humility. That's kind of my focus right now is trying to learn about humility. So I I would really recommend that book, Humility and Surrender by Andrew Murray, and kind of use it as a guide to point you to specific scripture passages and books of the Bible that talk on that if you're interested in that topic.
0: (laughs) Have you read any good books recently that you recommend women read apart from Andrew Murray's book?
1: (laughs) Mm, So Yes. um, I'm reading a book right now called um, Finding the Hero in Your Husband. So it's for married women. But I think if you're like seriously dating or engaged, it'd be awesome. And it's by Dr. Julie Slattery. She runs an amazing ministry, Authentic Intimacy. um, And she's just incredible. And it's just a book all about like, instead of using your Power in a sense to work against your husband and to just be all about yourself. It's basically using all your strengths in a way to love and to bring hmm. out the hero in your husband and how to do that and how to find hmm. that. That sounds so really interesting. Yeah, it's really, really good. So if you are seriously dating, engaged, or married, finding the hero in your husband, I think you would love it. It's super easy to read too. What brings you joy outside
0: of your salvation? So obviously our salvation brings us primary joy, but apart from that, I do think that the Lord has given us good gifts to enjoy that remind us that he is a good giver. So what
1: are some everyday enjoyments in your life that you enjoy? This might sound silly to some people because it's so random, Um, but my little son, Davey Jr., like I said, he's 21 months old and he is doing, um, they're called like survival infant swim lessons. And um, basically it's like eight weeks and you go every single day for 10 minutes. It's only 10 minutes because that's all they can handle. And it's been so fun. He has taken to it. So he's like a little fish in the water now. And we talk about it throughout the day. I'm like, are you ready to go swim like a fishy later? And he's like, yeah. And so it's been adorable every day getting to go and watch him. And he, it's been, it's just been the most amazing experience to go see him go from knowing nothing of like not knowing how to swim to each day, getting a little bit more like learning how to swim, learning how to float on his back and just He's been loving it. So I I know that's so random, but it's something like these few weeks where we've been there, it's been so, it's like been super fun. And I I take so many videos. I'm sending, you know, I send everyone in my family videos of Davey every (laughs) single day, like, look at him, he swam a little further. I think they like it, but I don't know.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today just to chat about your recent book and the topics that are within the book. I just really appreciate your ministry. And though I found it recently, I've already been so encouraged by it. So thank you for spending time with me and answering my many questions. Oh,
1: absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved it.
0: It is my hope that this conversation will leave you encouraged and hopeful. Each of us find ourselves in very different seasons and circumstances. Even as I write this podcast outro, my family is experiencing the unexpected loss of my grandfather-in-law, who passed away just yesterday. Twists and turns are far from easy, and I know many of you may be experiencing your own twist or turn today. I encourage you, and myself as well, to cling to the truth Bethany communicated in today's episode and to dive deep into the scripture passages she recommended. If a scripture passage or a resource mentioned on today's podcast episode caught your attention, I will have all resources listed and linked on my website, abigailo'neil.com. You can find today's show notes, recommended resources, and notable quotations under the About Her tab. Of course, it is my desire to see these discussions of scripture, theology, and womanhood passed on in order that more and more women may feel equipped and encouraged to love and to live God's good design in their daily lives. I would love it if you would share this episode or the About Her podcast in general with the women in your life. If you enjoyed this particular episode and have a moment or two to spare, I would so appreciate it if you left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is one of the easiest and most effective ways through which you can help spread the word about the podcast. I can't wait to chat more about God and his word soon. Have a great week.